Hello, I'm Jeremy Eden. I am Dan Eden. And I'm Megan Easter. And this is 90 Under 90. 90 movies. 190 minutes! <laughs> 200, 46, 69, 105, 5, 25,000, 14, 3, 75, yeah, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, what are yeah. you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, today on our show, clocking in at 88 minutes, we're talking about 1967s? 68s? The Producers, written and directed by Mel Brooks. I say that with a question because, of course, you know we go by IMDb when we're you know doing the opening of the show here. And uh, I'm pretty sure that the uh, the title card that showed at the beginning of the movie... Had the had 1968 as the date. Oh, uh, I, I, I just I always look at the Roman numerals because I always oh. Roman numerals have always fascinated me ever since I was a little child. And, you know, probably Back to the Future has something to do with that. But so you've got, uh, got an MCM V. We got dash, a dash, dash going on. We got, on, a, we got a, an MCM LX V I I I. was like, that's 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 one. That's one too many eyes. That's one too many <laughs> eyes here. If this is 1967, that's one too many eyes, I said. <laughs> well, I wish it was a 69, bros. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's Friday. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, we're gonna, to we're gonna get a little rowdy here today. Uh, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Dan, I think I told you before our anniversary is June 9th because we're immature and we wanted oh. 69. On our wedding ring. Everybody at home right now listening, all you know, a couple of you go right now. All right, here we go. So the producers, of course, stars uh, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, and uh, it is a full musical, and that is that is the version that we're going to be talking about today, except for the fact that no, we're not. We are talking about uh, the, the OG producers, which produced a musical uh, based on the film. Um, early Mel Brooks, very, very little Mel Brooks in this in this movie, which is uh, got to be a nice change of pace. Uh, you don't like Mel Brooks's presence in his own movies? I have no problem with that. I, I just got a personal sense that you yourself were like, I don't want to see Mel Brooks in Mel Brooks movies. You, don't you, pass you this chalk- off onto me, Jeremy. <laughs> I just presumed that you uh, uh, were uh, Here's my thing. chalk this up to the rubber chicken movies. Here's my thing, if you'll indulge me for a moment. Sorry to the fans of Mel Brooks and Mel Brooks comedies, but I get the impression in his movies above all others that nobody loves their movies more than them who are making it. Every joke seems to be slam dunk. Like every like every like wink to the camera, every vulgar like seems to be like, are we nailing it or are we 
fucking name. I hate overconfident comedies, and I think Mel Brooks is the most confident of comedies. Uh, you got me yeah. there. I think I think you're yeah. right. Right, like just like we're not gonna. I mean, we're doing the preamble here, but just the opening credits, which they stretch out to ten fucking minutes. Oh my god, it, it, it yeah, really did. Yeah, but there's like did. no credits at the end because I watched us, for that. That's it was true. So that's short. true. Uh, and, and it, it was are, one of those flip floppers so, where they okay, had the I, credits at the beginning. Let's get. I guess get, let's get this out of the way first. Did you guys like this movie? Are you fans of this movie? Well, here's the thing. My <clears throat> Let, let, let's get this out of the way. My knowledge of the producers, movie or musical, is I listened to the soundtrack one time and whatever they show in season four of Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's my knowledge of the producers. I've never seen the movie musical. I never saw the stage musical. I've only listened to it once. Having said that, I was remarkably I, – I, I was surprised at how much of the script of the movie – was then turned into the musical, you know, like when you're when when they make an adaptation and it's such a direct adaptation. I'm always surprised about that when it comes to theater. Like I've never seen The Wedding Singer on Broadway, but obviously like The Wedding Singer on Broadway. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe even I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, I should shut ahead. the fuck up. here. I was going to say, I don't think that that uses as much of the exact movie script. But yeah, um, Katie is familiar with the the musical and, and this, and she was saying like she was saying, okay, that line he just said, that's a song in the musical. I was like, that's actually a pretty good title for a song. Like organically, it seems like it lends itself to be fair to a musical pretty well. Yeah, no, but but I just mean like you know you see it in Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is why yeah. I know. So like the producer's show opens with him coming into the office, and he's you know he's like can't talk scared and i'm just like wow that's actually in this movie because it feels like such a stage type of joke you know i don't know something like screen screen and stage don't play the same so when they both use the same script i am always surprised but then i'm also like i was in a production of little shop of horrors so i should like expect that yeah like no they're usually the exact same thing i don't know megan are you a fan of uh, of this movie? Well, I remember seeing the Matthew Broderick, Nathan Lane one. When did that one come out? 2005. The movie, yeah, 05. Okay. I've watched that quite a bit. Um, I'm pretty sure I have the DVD for it downstairs. I haven't seen it in a long time. And so I was like, I remember enjoying that. And I had a surprisingly good time with this one. Like, I just went with it. I knew it was supposed to be goofy. Um, the guy, what's his name? Zero something or other. Mostel. Yeah. yeah. Mostel, uh, I don't know. Yeah, stock. Um, I don't know. I, I wasn't crazy about him, but I think it was more how dis- disheveled he looked. Like his comb over grossed me out <laughs> a lot. Yeah. It's pretty um, nasty looking do that he's got on he's top of his head. all the time, it seems. But then I, I yeah, always sweaty. But then I was thinking... Like in terms of the remake and stuff, I feel like they did a really good job casting the remake um, based yes, on who I you agree. see in the original. And I swear to God, springtime for Hitler was in my head all night last night. Anytime I woke up to feed Jimmy, I was like, damn it. <laughs> springtime. Oh, I was like, it's not even time. good. <laughs> and Germany. 
Uh, I remember I was working at Blockbuster when I think this came out on DVD, or they did like a. It was only the trailer DVDs that they play do, over and over. I so do I recall like, that. I'll never watch this movie ever. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm uh, like, I think I was. I wasn't in the right mood today. To be fair, watching this, I wasn't in a like Mel Brooks comedy mood uh, today. So I'm kind of. I'm. I'm wondering how hard I should lean against this movie uh, or go go against it as we go. You should uh, go as hard as you genuinely interpreted the movie all right it might be a little hard at times for you look but but no we can preface this movie it's it's not it's not as wacky or zany as mel brooks gets later in his career um (laughs) as odd as that sounds but also like mel brooks is very much just not your class of comedy and never really has been if i dare to say myself like you know like yeah so on your best day you're probably gonna give this a seven maybe gentleman's six probably you know like probably so like (laughs) you lean into it as hard as you need to yeah but i I'm, i'm kind of like also like i didn't mind this movie it's not as bad as again because there's so little of Mel Brooks in it. I'm like, oh, it's like, remarkably, I'm not like, okay, all right, here's your chance, here's your moment. You have your thing that you need to do. Like, you know, it's just a very brief moment in this movie. Yeah. You, you know who kind of reminds me of that though is um, because you just talked about him, Tarantino, when he has oh, to shit. like have his thing in his movie. I'm not yeah. saying he's as bad as Mel Brooks. Uh huh. But like. He has to have his thing and say his bit, and <laughs> and he's fantastic. So yeah, I get it. Hey, listen, I get it. Uh, uh, Mel Brooks did not make Pulp Fiction, though. No, <laughs> yeah, no, and I like Pulp Fiction. So it's like it gets to a certain point when Mel Brooks is just kind of like his roles are smaller. Like I'm just thinking like in Spaceballs specifically where it's just got to be kind of just like, all right, I'm just going to do whatever today. Like you guys don't have to worry about it. everyone else has like the day off and Mel Brooks is just kind of doing a bunch of bullshit in this makeup, you know? <laughs> so, Jer, what is his is it just a voice cameo in this? He is one of the guys uh, singing. The in... What's that? Was he one of the ones trying out for Hitler or am I? No, he's actually in the production. Like, okay. he, he's one of the guys who actually sings in the production. There's like a shot of two guys that are just like, you know, backup chorus members. And uh, they have like, you know, like one line of the song each. And he's one of them. You can tell because he's got like the raspy voice of the yeah. t- of the two guys. He's the, you know, the raspy one. I didn't recognize him. I thought he, what I he, thought was he dubbed over some poor gentleman who is like, did his No, that take. was, that was just, you know, we're used to a more 70s Mel Brooks. And this was, yeah, he was a yeah. little bit younger. And yeah, he did look a little odd even to me. I was like, that, that kind of looks weird. Like, that's just not what I'm used to seeing. <laughs> Speaking of weird, Gene Wilder is like 35 when he makes this movie. (laughs) I believe it. It's just it's fucked up because like people just used to be so much older. Like, you know, (laughs) he looks like he's 48. Oh, I I feel like he looks his age. I just I get a vibe of just like way, way older, you know. (laughs) He's also got that great hair. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That insane hair that he died. Yeah. Must comb with like a metal wire brush like 
He comes with a firecracker. You guys don't know this, but but Zero Mostel or Mostel or whatever, he was 19 when he made this. (laughs) He was younger, and it was just a testament to his acting skills. And uh, Dick Sean, by the way, uh, 12. All right. Now, before we get into the plot, I feel like Dick Sean, I had to look up a little bit of like, who the fuck is this guy that he plays LSD Lorenzo St. Dubois? And like, he's like the the face of the counterculture. Uh, he's like, he wants to be anyway. He's literally one of five characters that Robin Williams does on stage. Like this whole. Oh yeah, I got. When he was doing that, he was doing that, and I was like, I had to just close my eyes for a minute, and I was like, oh, Robin Williams. Yeah, you know, we're all on the same page. And you go, oh yeah, like Robin Williams is notorious for stealing stuff back in the day. (laughs) So like, it makes perfect sense that he would just, you know. uh, uh, I can't think of the term, but you know, he just kind of adopt this persona and this character as his own. <laughs> um, Megan, as someone who's familiar with the 2005 version, who mm-hmm. plays this? Who plays uh, LSD? Yeah, or did they kind was, of repurpose it? Well, because I was trying to remember, and then I watched the trailer. Because, like I said, I haven't watched it, gosh, in years and years. So. Mm. I know Will Ferrell is the guy who wrote it, but didn't right. they allow him to play Hitler? I believe so. Like they, they changed right. it so that he, he, like that was part of his deal was he got to play Hitler in the play because then Will Ferrell got to be goofy on stage. That's right. I, I think, think you're right. And um, I did not care for Uma Thurman in everything. No. I mean, she, I she she matches the casting, but I thought just the goofy like dancing for no reason and like <laughs> stripping down to a bikini and just dancing like that suited pots, more though. than like yes like she reminded the one in the original reminded me of a fembot from austin powers <laughs> yeah yeah and definitely. uh i don't know they they gave her a bigger part for the uma thurman version and i remember like oh feeling like oh this is kind of dragged out you know well i think it's bigger in the musical too like just in the stage show um i don't know that but uh, like i feel like there's more presence on the soundtrack i could be wrong on that it also feels like she has a whole song in the the, in the remake that 2005 version is over two hours long this is under 90 a real testament to how they padded it up with songs like and uh, speaking of organic stuff uh there's a part where zero uh max is looking out his window and he says what is he screams flaunt it if you got it baby yeah. or something like that if you she got said, it just she has a yeah. song that that is exact uh quote so i was like katie told me i was like that's pretty organic to a musical to lend itself uh, i like how they kind of squeeze it in there somehow you know sure uh, sorry, uh, I, since I didn't see the 2005, I can't compare, but uh, this one, here's, a, it's an uneven movie, I'll say that, because as we go into it here, the first 10 minutes is like basically the the credits, and as Megan said, there are no end credits, it, it ends at, at an hour 28, like right at the end there, um, you get like a little, little tiny wrap-up credit, um, but in this opening here, it, it like I said, they keep slam dunking like their jokes because they keep freeze framing on Max Bialystock, uh, Zero Mustel's character. 
like every 30 seconds in this sequence and he's like doing goofy mugs and he's like ha ha but ha ha but like i'm like i'm tired of this already and like the big yeah. orchestral flourishes during the stills i was like I don't need this. how long do you think it could sustain as a joke to extend the opening credits of the movie well into the plot <laughs> for of an the hour. movie. <laughs> About and an like hour it just keeps like, getting right. it keeps getting a little bit longer in between, you know. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Like a good like short film bit. I um, actually you know? was checking the time during the credits. Yeah. And I really I maybe checked it halfway through and was like, oh, wow, I'm halfway through this already. But when I was checking it in the credits, I checked it probably three or four times. and was like, yeah. oh, on. <laughs> yeah, I, I checked it yeah. and I was at the seven minute mark when I saw I was like, are you kidding me? We're still going to this like, wow. To to summarize, his character is uh, he used to be great, but now he's uh, washed up. He's a has been Broadway producer. And uh, the only way he could finance uh, his would-be plays these days is by sleeping with a bunch of rich old women. And he brings them to his office. We see a couple of these women. And he's got a cabinet with all of their pictures. And he brings them out and puts them on his desk. He's got a whole routine down and everything. And on one hand, he's lucky to get them. (laughs) On one hand. You know? (laughs) They can do better. They could all do better. Uh, reminding me of uh, Ray Fiennes in Grand Budapest Hotel. Like maybe in that movie, he likes them older. Like he wants to sleep with old women. Like he's not really trying to extort them. In this, that's all. It's all just about the money, right? So Max is. You uh, have a ticket for me. <laughs> yeah, he's got. Uh, he's got a, like he has to slip into character for like he has to for a couple of them for the first one. Uh. I just remember for the second one, he asked to put on like a dog, like, or, or is it a cat uh, persona, right? I think it was a dog. Was it? Yeah, okay. she was like a cat and he was a dog. And they keep freeze framing. They did the chauffeur thing. Bits. Yeah. Like he's dry. Yeah. They're like tableau, like they're driving and he's like looking at his rear view, but he's like, I can't focus on the road. You're too beautiful. Like these old ladies love uh, to put on a show. And then why wouldn't they? He's a Broadway producer guy, you know? So yeah. they like to have fun with him before they inevitably screw on his couch uh and it's like, it did make me laugh that all the checks are made to cash and they're all like what a weird name for a play i'm like oh god <laughs> how um, many times did they all say that <laughs> for every like ever let's say for me for every like there for every like 10 jokes there's probably one that makes me go all right that's pretty clever it's pretty good like it's it's quick at least it's got a rhythm to it it's got a cleverness to it a creativity to it sure you know, um, maybe I'm just like like Jared said, I'm not the audience for this, but uh, I proceed. Yeah. And I just I don't feel like Gene Wilder is enough of a wiener the way that Matthew Broderick is, you know, Oof. for like this. Yeah, character. I was like, oh, man, I see. Like, I always thought, oh, what a weird character for Matthew Broderick. But I see now where they just ripped that oh, right yeah. from there. And that's what I was trying to do earlier. Where he's like, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> The, the like the the wilder freak out is classic you know like the, when he gets to that that screaming voice yeah um, for me personally i i really don't like nathan lane and i really don't like matthew broderick so like oh, two no. big reasons why i haven't watched the movie or the the music or or anything like that so. both of them have grown back on me like 
over the year. Like, I also went through a phase where I was just like, I hate both of their presence. I just don't like seeing either of them. And then I don't know, like Matthew Broderick, I'm like, I've kind of like cooled on. I'm like, I- I'm fine. If you're going to show up, you're not doing enough that make me feel like get the fuck out of my face. But Nathan Lane, there is something that I'm like, you know what? I've grown to like seeing Nathan Lane. When you guess, when you see Nathan Lane, you're like, all right, something good is going to be delivered. Good being, I guess, subjective, but like, you know. Dan, um, you should give it a try. I, you know, we watched The Birdcage a couple, few months ago. Oh, I love The Birdcage. And it's like, it's Don't a very, ch- it's a charming movie, but I found myself checking my Facebook a lot during ah. The Birdcage. Yeah. The whole gay panic like thing is like, obviously it's, it's dated and it's like, doesn't age well. And then like. Watching that is like, oh, geez, God forbid Gene Hackman finds out that he's got two dads. Oh, <laughs> like, humana, right. humana. like, fuck Gene Hackman is like my point of the whole movie. Yeah, like, it, it just, guy. well, it also, it's like, that's hard for that to play the same way because now most people are like, yeah, who cares? Like, that's <laughs> right. half um, of but people. <laughs> for its time, like, we watched Birdcage uh, in, in high school. Our, our drama teacher loved it so much. Like she's like, yeah, students, uh, clear your schedule. We're watching like, and it was, <laughs> yeah. it was inappropriate. I think she had to like censor it in certain parts, obviously, but, uh, you know, it was the high school version, but, uh, yeah, but I know we're not talking about the 2005 one. we keep slipping into that here, but, uh, well, it's uh, arguably the more popular one, like not the movie necessarily, but like they were both on the, in, on Broadway together. Like they were the original, Broadway cast, so... Well, Zero Mostel died in, what, 87? I don't know. <laughs> I think he died in, like, the late 80s. So. Long before a musical existed. <laughs> like, it, like, dig him up. Bring him out here. But uh, Wilder, I wonder what he thought of the uh, musical. I'm sure he loved it. I'm sure he's a very gracious... Was a very gracious... I don't remember man. when he died. That was, like... I want to say like 2010-ish. It was like later than I, th- I was like, oh, yeah, he's alive. <laughs> like, yeah, he thought was, he was already dead. There's a few yeah. actors out there where you're like, oh, there's like I could have sworn that they were dead. My dad told me they were dead and I believed him that they were dead. I believe that Dom DeLuise was dead long before Dom DeLuise actually died. It's, Dom DeLuise is a living miracle as far as we were concerned for years. For years. Just like, why? What? Speaking huh? of Dom DeLuise, zero, this Zero Mustel guy is giving off serious Dom DeLuise vibe. I wish it was Dom yeah. DeLuise. Don't you? Oh, Don't yeah. you, though? There's something about this guy where you're just like, I wish that I was more familiar with this person's work because this feels like, oh, this would be a fun – this is fun to see a character uh, – like an actor you like play this role, like this this kind of sleazebag and – yeah, I'm just like, I don't, who the fuck is this guy? I don't care. I wish he was more entertaining. <laughs> He's be like, anybody. Um, who's this honeymooners looking motherfucker? Yeah, <laughs> I screen. Um, so he's he's banging old broads. They're freeze framing. Did we mention they pepper in a bunch of freeze frames here? And then Gene Wilder walks in and he's the accountant who is hired to balance the books, quote unquote, as he's being straddled by an old lady on the couch. And he's like, humana, humana, anxiety. He like hugs a wall. You know, he's uh, very uptight about it. And Zero Mostel, Max Bialystok gives him a hard time at every turn at the beginning. Like, it's a very straight man uh, kind of deal. Um, uh, their dynamic is charming enough here in this movie, you know. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Leo Bloom, Leopold Bloom is Gene Wilder. He's, I think what they did, they, they, I had to justify this in my head. They spent so much time him banging old ladies because we have to get a, a sense of who he is and where he is now. And and we certainly do just in these first 10 minutes, aside from him just actually doing it, get this verbal exposition of who he used to be and how he has to wrangle money now. Yeah, that's why you don't need 10 minutes of him banging old ladies because he goes that's into true. this whole fucking monologue about like, do you know where I used to be? Let me tell that's you true. and the audience exactly where I used to be and where I am now. Yeah, good point. Good point. I like um, when Gene Wilder's like, let's just assume for a minute that you're, what do you say, that you're an, an honest person or something like that. Right. Dishonest person. Yeah. Dishonest person. He goes, deal. Like, a very, <laughs> great deadpan delivery when he reacts to that. I, I did take note of that. Um, what he finds, like, and this is the, the inciting incident. And it does occur at like minute 15 here because it's all in this first scene here. Like the first 22 minutes of the movie takes place in his office. Um, mm-hmm. And, and 10 of that is up. him banging yeah. old ladies yeah. in the opening credits. Seriously. The other 10 is Gene Wilder figuring out in his books that um, through some creative accounting, you can make more money through theoretically through a flop than a successful show. What I love is that they, this is like 1968. So that they don't <laughs> <laughs> say so they don't have to go into too much detail about what he's actually yes. doing. And mm-hmm. it's charming because now you'd have to be like, all right, no, you need to explain exactly what I you're know. doing and exactly how this scheme works. And instead he gets away with, oh, yes. And if you yes, of course. And ah, I've got it. You know, like I that's love, all you need in, in this time. Uh, I love a dated scheme. This movie has it. Uh, the movie Hard Eight with Philip, the Paul Thomas Anderson one has it. He has this whole casino scheme that is not relevant today. But in the movie, you're like, this is fucking genius. Like he yeah. walks you through the whole thing. And in Office Space, when they cheat the company yes. out of the rounding error. Like, I love dated like hacks. Yeah, because like, like yeah, like you know this. what? Like Ozark, I loved uh-huh. Ozark. And I still am like... I don't really understand how money laundering works. I need to, them to break that down just a little bit more because I remember I would go in and I did bookkeeping at my old job and I'd be like, I could launder money based on what I'm seeing on Ozark. Like, I could do this. I didn't and I wouldn't. But it's uh, sounds like a Netflix comedy, though. Uh, right. The character based on Megan laundering money from uh, <laughs> some, some food that company or up. something. <laughs> that's just going to be that's just the Leo gets show that they're going to make eventually. Leo gets going to get some guy to do like a young Joe Pesci impression. And it's going to uh, be like Better Call Saul, but for Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that dude, speaking of, never mind. I don't want to digress. Too much, but you, there's a guy who looks just like, like a skinny younger Joe Pesci on the white Lotus season two. Uh, the first episode, he's a pianist and he looks like, I'm like, is that fucking Joe Pesci? Like if is they cloned him. See what uh, they did? did they cloned they Joey. Were, they both offended Joe Pesci and like, <laughs> a younger clone of Joe Pesci. Yeah. Um, uh, so we're still in the office and he says uh, zero like he gets a light bulb moment thanks to Gene Wilder who's like huh it's kind of funny that you know you made 
you you raised uh, more than sixty five thousand dollars the price of your last show, which was a uh, only went on for one night. So the cost of the show sixty five k, but you raised what? How much? Like a million? Yeah, you like. No, it was it was small scale. He he raised right. a thousand a, right. an extra thousand dollars for that yeah. original play. But if you extrapolate that over yeah. a large amount, and you raise a million dollars, then you can keep a tremendous amount of that profit. That's right. That's the plan. Yep. And, yeah. Uh, so they have to come. They have to. He has a five point plan basically. Phases. He's got all these phases to it. And one is uh to find like the biggest flop script first, right? You got to find the yeah. shittiest play that's not gonna work at all and it's gonna get shut down after the first night. So you're wondering immediately how is this gonna backfire for our protagonists in this movie here? It can um, only backfire <laughs> in one way. Like yeah, that's the like, thing it's, too. <laughs> It's telegraphed way in the beginning. <laughs> like, okay, well, that's what's the only happen. comedic twist for this movie right, is right. what you inevitably get. I think Unless like, it, like, succeeded in the end, and then you're like, huh. <laughs> here's something Thank God to say. I think, like, a lot of comedies, and I know I'm projecting a lot because just based on conversations with grandparents and stuff, but a lot of comedies of yesteryear – Get by on just the log lines because it's amusing to tell your friends. Okay, so the play it backfires and it becomes a hit for them. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's uh, like a lot more comedies these days. They have to become more complex because they're descendants of these movies. But also, like, I just feel, you know, cinema was younger then, so it's just like, mm. what a novel twist! Like, uh, that's worth seeing. Watching a all hour and a There's, half of. Like, it's like it, it was like a movie invented before irony existed. Yes. So like. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like it's so pure and so basic and simple. Yeah, it's really just so you could tell your friends at the water cooler in the in 1970 or 68 or 69, <laughs> yeah. and they go like, "That's clever." Like, as it's like, so they get that. this guy. It's all about Nazis, and then like, as if the other people are like, "Oh my God!" Then what happens? Like, right. and then you're like, "And it actually works." It's a success. Get the fuck out of here. It's almost like the setup <laughs> of a joke. It has like a punchline, like, but like when it comes to like the Hangover, I guess it's similar. It's like, but it's it's more vague. It's like so four guys they're hungover, and you know, but I guess like one of them was on the roof the whole time. See, there's a certain ah. point. This would be an interesting thing to go back and, like, try to do research on. But there's a certain point where, like, comedies become more about set pieces almost at a certain point. You know, it's like uh, it's about more ridiculous plot more. You saying? It's just yeah, it's just like it was it's simpler, you know, because there weren't as many fucking movies and TV shows back then. (laughs) So it's like everything was newer. And yes, now we've yes. got we've gone through everything a thousand times over that we're so far removed from it that you add all yeah. these extra layers of detachment and irony and all this weird to, esoteric nonsense and like that's how you get the comedy that we all watch now. To your point, I think like um, it's it's spreading everywhere and it like everybody has no choice because of as cinema ages to be more subversive, to be different from the preceding. And to me, that doesn't always translate to quality. And I've been harping on that note for like a long time now. Yeah. And and then sometimes it also is just like somebody has to fall so that somebody else can go so that it can work for somebody else. Somebody else has to make the mistake so that somebody can go, Oh, here's the way you correct that formula. And it's just, that's why like it's, it's always evolving. 
I feel like that's like half the movies today is like it's this, but here if if I did the ending to uh, get out, or if I did the uh, the second half of this movie the way I it's, wanted it to go, you know, it, like comedy and horror, you have like the same thing. You have to do those yeah. things. Whereas like a good old drama is just like no, so like a parent is dying or something like that. A kid is dying. Uh, you know, somebody's dying. It's always about dying. Uh, that <laughs> so basic. It's just like dying it doesn't matter. Divorce. Like you're gonna get me to cry no matter what. It can be I don't care. But yeah, comedy and horror, you have to like fucking change it up so that people aren't like this is dog shit and it's just like everything else. So back to the story here. No, oh, yeah, sorry. the producers. <laughs> um, the uh, little little like probably the like the the most highfalutin joke of this movie is is when Max is looking through shitty plays and he he criticizes the metamorphosis what appears to be a stage adaptation of a man turning into a cockroach and him saying that's almost too good to be bad like that to me is like the most uh, that's the highest IQ joke you're probably going to get in this movie <laughs> <I think. laughs> is this reference to Franz Franz Kafka so they find uh, springtime for Hitler after hours of searching. And Gene Wilder, the the head case that he is, he's like, I've been looking at words all day. I don't even know what they mean anymore. I don't know. It's just like, Max is just like, I got it. It's right here. <laughs> Smell it. Very <laughs> snidely whiplash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, might as well be curling his mustache yeah. a little bit. But he doesn't have one. He should. No, he's just got um, a greasy comb. And so it's like, you want to talk about being confident in your decision, you know, like he's just, oh, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's, like when you get I mean, to that, level, like chill the fuck out, man. The level of confidence that I know it's a comedy, they're playing it for the, like the rafters, so to speak. And it is like, like the line between stage and, and screen is blurred. But like, that's what I mean about these Mel Brooks comedies. Like even the characters are like, Tone down your confidence. <laughs> be a little, have a little more humility. But like, don't be a well. Uh, that's, don't be Gene Wilder at the same time. They can't all be Gene Wilder though. But know? that's the thing. In order to sell a lot of Mel Brooks comedy, you have to sell it in that like overly confident. Like you can't play it straight, but you have right. to play it like heightened straight. Oh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like shifty eyes. Like, yeah, that's why I don't like it. You know, like, just imagine, like, again, I go back to Spaceballs. Just think of how Bill Pullman is fucking weird sometimes, his Lone Star. But he's still, like, like his performance in Spaceballs, yeah. But it's it's a straight (laughs) performance for the most part, but it's also just kind of, like, heightened straight. Like, what? why are you behaving this way? Well, you know, it's like, and I don't want to get into Spaceballs too much, but, like, to me, it's like he has a template to go off of, like, an almost like a satire performance. And in this, it's like Max has to be a wholly original kind of just sleazeball, right? Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah. well, you can, he has Boy Scout to kind of project off of, but, uh, in, uh, I like I like Bill Pullman in Spaceballs quite a bit. I got, I, I haven't <laughs> seen Spaceballs in probably 20 fucking years, but. Yeah. Um. So they find Springtime for Hitler, a gay romp with Adolf and Eva at Berchtesgaden. Uh, it's a love letter to Hitler. And it's like a sincere, earnest love letter to Hitler written by a guy named Franz Liebkind. Or Liebkind? Liebkind? Yeah, we'll say that. Played by Kenneth Mars. Um, so they're like, okay, we got to find this guy. Let's go talk to him. And I do remember seeing the previews and seeing will ferrell with the birds on the roof yes and now uh, yeah like thinking like 
is that like this is the Will Ferrell guy? So they're they well, sure enough they go on the roof and he's crazy. He's uh, quite the character, you know everything you'd expect a former Nazi to be like uh, basically like I was just following orders. Like well no you can't prove anything. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah, <laughs> you know saluting and stuff. But then when they say we're cool with your musical, he, he kind of like takes off that mask and immediately says like the Third Reich will rain again essentially um so he's on board with this (laughs) so this is all good um so uh next thing they have to do is they have to uh well no the max is now he's gonna go out he's gonna sleep with a bunch of old ladies gonna raise more money and they're gonna raise twenty five thousand percent of of their goal like imagine a kickstarter going 25 thousand percent <laughs> their goal i think that's what uh, they end up with um so it has to be a flop or they're going to jail because they can there's no way they could ever pay back the financiers now this is to me a funny interesting cinematic loophole that in no way could fly today backers have to get paid even if the move the 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 play is a flop uh but in this universe in this era i guess if it's a flop everybody just says well let's just go home no. <laughs> I, I forfeited my money oh well production. that's the investment mm-hmm. uh it's I'm on me right. for taking that risk that's right <laughs> it's a real pyramid scheme so they uh they have to start casting it, right? But first, he gets a treat for himself, Max Bialik. Uh, Bialik? Bialik. Mia Bialik. <laughs> yeah. Uh, AKA Blossom is yeah. in this movie. Her, her dad, <laughs> Max. The, well, they have to get the director, right? Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Thank you. The guy you. in the dress. First, they have to. And this is like, uh, speaking of gay panic, like, oh, oh, oh. they go to this. Uh, what I do like is. is making fun of the artistic crowd I, to me that doesn't get old even today like the super pretentious people oh yeah but what i don't care for is like zero behind the guy's back doing the limp wrists and like making yeah, fun of yeah, him. yeah even though yeah, the guy's yeah. been accommodating to them this whole time i don't like that very much but who played the guy. director in in the newer version that i know we're not talking about that's a good question let me take a look here He's got like I can see his face. He's got the dark hair. It's got to be. It's got to be Taylor Negron. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, director of the show. In producers, two thousand five. I guess. Oh, they they showed me who actually directed the movie. Sorry, hold on. Uh, <laughs> is it John Levitz? Roger Bart. <laughs> Is, is his, it John uh, Lovitz? It's either Roger Bart or John Lovitz. Let's see. Mr. Marks? Uh, who's the director? What's his name? Do we know? Uh, I, yeah, I don't remember which one is which. Roger Debris? Ooh, that sounds... Gary Beach? Gary Beach? Who the name? fuck is Gary Beach? Oh, yeah, I, I don't know, but he's uh, mm-hmm. he plays uh, Roger Debris. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm thinking of Roger Bart was... Like his uh, assistant, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. in okay. things. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like uh, Hostel 2, he gets his dick cut off. Yeah. <laughs> More people need their I, dicks cut off in movies, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Sure. I threw up during the first Hostel movie. <laughs> Did you really? 
I had a really big blue Slurpee and had gone to the movies with two of my friends and they got to the part where they drill through that guy's knee and he's like puking around that uh, gag ball and I went down Mm -hmm. to the trash can and threw up. Like I can't. Anyway. uh, when I went to go see, speaking of Tarantino, because he produced it, I went, I'll went. i never forget going to see Kill Bill. I was too young, but, you know, I, we, we got in, right? And yeah. they had to clean the theater because I think a couple people threw up. And like, it's Kill Bill. Like, it's like garden oh, hoses what? of blood. But I know, and I was like, I was so amped for the movie. <laughs> it's like somebody, like two people threw up. This is going to be great. Um, I've so, I, I, I've never experienced a movie that has given me that visceral reaction that I would actually. There's a, there's a new one out, Terrifier 2, that's making a lot of people pass out and throw up because of the gruesome violence. I think part of mine was I had that really big blue Slurpee, and I probably. Didn't <laughs> know <what> It's the, I think it's gotta be the Slurpee. Is the, the reaction that yeah, I mean that contributes to it. The only time I ever had to like the only time I ever got sick at a movie was like when I had to go to the bathroom for like fifteen to twenty minutes of Johnny English. The first time I saw that, I think I remember you taking a dump during Johnny English. Too? Oh yeah, it was bad. <laughs> Not a pleasant, not a pleasant experience. I've never really had to take. To, <laughs> thankfully, I've never really had to take a shit during a movie. Like that's like awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, just pee. Yeah, yeah. That's um, yeah, the unfortunate. But no, like you know, my reaction to the movie, like as gruesome and violent. And I've seen like Human Centipede and like some of the more oh, gruesome yeah. Saw stuff. It's just like at first, it's just like oh, and then it, it then it just kind of slowly turns into anger, where you're just like. Why, why, why? Someone got to put this in a movie. Like, just. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not mean. even so like, much oh, like. Come on. <laughs> like, I'm offended that you would. Like, you need to. Like, do you need to go this far, sir? I always think to myself, like, yeah. Ugh. Like somebody thought this up and thought it was good and put it on screen, and then there's me. What does it say about me? I'm sitting here watching this. <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing like the George yeah. Lucas thing that we do, where like you imagine somebody sitting down at the typewriter writing, and then like, and then his scalp is pulled from the rest of You're his right. body. I have to, <clears throat> I I think I was with you guys until I had to somehow get past that, and how I did was respecting the 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 VFX of it all like going like yeah because when i watched with katie and she gets grossed out i'm like no this is just really good effects work the fact that you're 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 grimacing is like they're <laughs> really good at their jobs like that's how i have to rationalize all that stuff myself uh i'm really fun to watch movies with <laughs> um so they they have to find the director and that's like a whole thing they go to his pad he's wearing a dress but it's like a reveal because he's fine behind one of those um we call those fold-out accordion dress setup things. We call those. I don't know, just accordion walls. Like yeah, like an accordion yeah. wall. And he comes out. And he's wearing a dress and he puts on a wig and like he's talking about the script. He's like, we have to get rid of the third act. Germany loses the war. It's so depressing. Like, <laughs> and I guess that is the satire of this movie, but it's not like Jer. <laughs> well, again, we're talking about like. 60s satire? satire for pro Nazis? Like that—that's not it, because a Jew made this movie, and he obviously hates Nazis. He's making fun of Nazis, you know. Yeah, well, it's it, there's 
satire in there it's just not as biting and like oh. you know like it's not the way that it gets you know theater satire. satire maybe a little but not even that deep of like like if you're in the theater world you gotta see this movie it's not waiting for guffman it's again like, yeah it's I, irony else. hasn't been invented yet so they're just kind of <laughs> you know they're working with the faintest idea of what irony is I know, and like and then, and the whole time we're talking, I realize I directed I Hate Theater, so it's like it's like the producers 2012 or 15 or whatever the fuck that movie came out. But uh, we so, we we reference this movie a lot, considering we don't really care if anyone ever watches know, it again. You know, know, like feel free to cut that out. I know. I just no, I had to say it. Um, I realized the irony, but um, so now, now that they've done that, they got their director. He's on board. They're going to change the ending so that Germany wins the war just to make it more. They're, they're, they're on board because they know it's going to fail even harder that way. Right. Oh, yeah. So they have to cast the the joint. And uh, my question was going to be, even though they remade it, was who would be this LSD guy today ish? Like, who's the counterculture dude who would do a good job of, like, um, playing this this Hitler caricature with, I don't with know, but uh, I loved this guy playing it in this. <laughs> like I was totally on board because I really I really remember Will Farrell doing it and maybe that's wrong, but this <laughs> this whole bit cracked me up. Every time I saw him on there and acting like even later when they're doing the actual play, like that did it for me. He's just like, hey man like <laughs> Dick Sean. Yeah. Uh, again, I just like he he bears a passing resemblance to Robin Williams to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Like they look like they could at least be cousins, yeah, if not yeah. brothers. Okay. And it's just so distinctly that voice that you've heard come out of Robin Williams voice mouth so many times that I, I'm just like, man, I, I feel bad for this guy. Because I don't know anyone who ever, who can name Dick Sean, but everyone fucking knows Robin Williams, and this is very clearly stolen from this man. Now, yep. I know him, I talked about satire, but in the context of this movie, the character LSD uh, seems to interpret the, the script as a satire, and that's what ultimately leads to that inevitable twist of the of the movie <laughs> that the play becomes a success because he jojo rabbits pre-jojo rabbit uh, <laughs> hitler uh for everybody to to enjoy uh, pre-irony <laughs> like, so this is pre-irony 60s. but yeah like basically he jojo rabbits it and that's like the cruel twist at the in this movie right yeah that actually works it's you know he yeah. as soon as he takes the stage the audience who are walking out of the theater are turning around and being like, oh, he, he's funny, which yeah, is like right. another thing that surprised me because I'm so much more familiar with Curb Your Enthusiasm season four that I'm like, wow, they're just flat out like literally doing the producers in that finale <laughs> episode to the point where like, you know, like everyone is about to walk out of the show because like it's all getting fucked up. And then Larry David like wins them back with something that's just like, oh, this is oddly entertaining for us to Sorry to, I know I'm all over the place. When I when I was talking about twenty five thousand percent raising of the mm-hmm. profits for the play to put on the show, that's when they hire Ula. We should talk about Ula. A little oh bit. yeah, Ula. <laughs> the secretary assistant who does barely yeah. receptionist barely speaks English. Uh, Swedish, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. What she's, it looks like a yeah, bomb, but, <laughs> Buffant, uh 
Uh, very beautiful. She looks like wear a femboy. <laughs> she looks like machine guns would just shoot right yeah. out of her nipples. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does that scary '60s like go-go dance where yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that like, like putting their arms that, over their like heads like swimming. an ape kind of yeah. Like well, that weird swimming motion that they do. They just like yeah. they just like they their their waists just like bend and snap in like this weird <laughs> uncomfortable it's uncomfortable to watch. It literally <laughs> is. I'm like it looks like it hurts their spine. Come to on. You didn't like that a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, come on. Um the whole time I'm just like that poor girl. <laughs> Hey, she's earning an easy check here. And it's funny, like sometimes she understands them. Like, you want coffee? Yeah. You want me to bring you coffee? And then other times it's just like, huh? I don't know. We get that in the third act when inevitably, well, we'll get there. They put on yeah. the show, like, and this is this all happens very quickly. Like I said, it's not a very well paced movie because we spend the first 22 minutes in that office. And then we kind of gloss over the making, the behind the scenes of putting on this play. Like suddenly we're we're putting, there's the show, like it's being put well, on. Remember they did the um, the auditions for Hitler, and they That's had the true. one guy that was doing the like, oh god, I I can see him doing it in my mind. But then Will Ferrell did that part, like while he was on stage, and then I think that's why they just settled for him. But it was like the I don't. He's like boom, boom, something or other, you know. Yeah, was, yeah. The, you're talking about the audition part. Yeah, yeah. The guy, and it was like one of the last guys that auditioned right before LSD came on. There, there's some, there's some good comedy there, and like, I, what else can I say? Like, it's a diverse group of dudes who want to play Hitler in this musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them have serious and, chops. Some <clears> of them <throat> suck. <laughs> but it's still like you're watching bad acting, whether they're yeah. intending to make it good and it's coming out bad, or it's just like, no, you're overacting this That's shit. That's fun, you know? And it's, it's, it's watching fun. bad acting, watching this type of like, these types of scenes where it's like the you're not really in the nitty gritty of production. You're like when you're, I love watching casting montages. Let's just put it that yes. way. I love yeah, watching a fun. lot of people yeah. audition for yeah. a role, talk a little bit about themselves and say one weird thing about themselves. Uh-huh. And yep. then they do something that's out there and then you're I on agree. to the next. I love that too, especially when they're cut in creative ways or like just their, mm-hmm. the editing just knows exactly what to do. I like when he kept going like, before they would even open their mouth. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> Thank yeah, yeah. you. <laughs> they just shut down like probably like half the dudes, like just like that. And then last but not least, this guy comes in and uh, LSD. Uh, he's not even in Lorenzo. the right place. He thinks he's going for a, I forget the name of the show he's going for, but he thinks it's a theater for a different one. And they're like, this guy, like they, they get a sense of who he is, right? He's like a hippie. He's into flower power. They're like, tell him this is the right yeah. place and let's cast him. You know, he seems like his he seems like a total Reverend Jim. Like his mind ain't yeah. even there. Like he's just like <laughs> barely remembering to put on pants in the morning kind of guy. Uh, to, to to answer my own question earlier, I feel I kept thinking like to, if this was made today or maybe like a, just several years ago, maybe Russell Brand because he just tongue in cheek kind of wild man kind of yeah maybe I, I don't know i don't know uh but they 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 changed that with the 2005 as we talked about they consolidated it to the writer uh which i think is uh, interesting but like 
to many, LSD is like the best part of this movie. So to do that is like well, sacrilege almost. Me up. Like I actually, I got a good laugh when he went like, it was all, you know, hippie flower power. And then all of a sudden it yeah. went like really dark there at the end. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was more confounded by it, like with my head cocked to the side. <laughs> but it did make me laugh. Yeah, like, weird stuff. Um, so they cast him because they think he's going to lead a flop, like a blockbuster flop, right? And uh, that people are going to leave before it's even over. They're going to leave right. in the middle. And to their credit, yeah, they start to. They get that reaction at the beginning. And then what happens? Because like we're there now. We're like we're basically at it's, it does that it does the Space Jam thing where it's just like oh shit we're at the game like yeah and we're gonna and spend like, we're gonna yeah. spend this an, an amount of time at the game. Well, you realize like it's, it's man not to talk about Space Jam too much but yeah that first half of the game in that movie is like five minutes of screen time I think if that like it's super like yeah it's quick and then the second half's not that. And then the re- like the new one, who gives a fuck? I watched that. Oh, oh man, that's really bad. I, I watched it with the kids, and I was like, it's it's fine. Oh, like that's that's yeah, yeah. That's all I could say was it's <laughs> fine. Look <laughs> like. LeBron James and his terrible acting in, like, the forced subplot with his son's like, why, why can't you follow in my footsteps? <laughs> like, like, just, like, just I just can't stand LeBron, like, enough yeah. that I'm like, nope, this movie doesn't exist. <laughs> he's t- I think he's really bad. Sorry, LeBron. Yeah, and not that Michael Jordan is good. It's just that Michael Jordan has so yeah, much he, charisma. He had yeah. something, you know? And plus, we were Chicago boys, and, like, he's, like, the greatest basketball player of all time. And I know LeBron is, like, he's not MJ. He'll never be MJ. I'm sorry. No. But, uh, uh, you, can, okay. you, can, you can score way more points and, you know, be a better technical player, but you're never going to be MJ. And that's and that's your curse, LeBron. That's And you know it. <laughs> he knows it, too. That's the problem. I think, I think he does. Um so we're there at the play and people are starting to walk out. They're like this, like it's a chorus of people. Yeah. It's springtime for Hitler. We get the full number. Yeah, Their faces, the audience yeah. faces made me laugh too. Cause it Jaws was just, drop. <laughs> just what and the some of those, are we watching? Some of the lyrics are like, they're good. Some of the, some of the lyrics are like yeah. decent, uh, you know, comedic goose step is the new Broadway. Step. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's some good actual, springtime like, Hitler in Germany, winter for Poland and France. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like, catch that actually. <laughs> that's what kept playing in my mind Fuck. when I was at that <laughs> Jesus. You know how like the Simpsons sometimes they'll attempt to do a musical moment and you're like, some of these lyrics suck and like these are not yes. good numbers. And like <laughs> so like when when you see a good Broadway number with bad lyrics, it's like, oh, I appreciate this. This is this is actually working because it's it's working on the level of it being a Broadway number and being a fake yes. bad Broadway number. Whereas the Simpsons shit is just like you're not even like hitting the right sequence of notes that would make sense. I that I hate so much. And then like, why not just give Yardley Smith a musical show? Obviously, Lisa likes to sing. The guys are always like lately giving her songs like like just fucking give her a, like a musical show. I don't yeah. care anymore. Uh, I, I, I really I, don't. I don't either. But I, I did watch all of the Treehouse of Horrors, every single one this season. And man, the last like seven or eight are just like night and day in terms of quality like i'm sorry to digress too much but as a well, simpsons 
fan. Like, yeah, those were at really a certain at a certain point, large chunks of Simpsons episodes become like montages to like Ugh. needle drop songs. And it's yeah, just strange. They certainly did do that. Yeah, <laughs> we digress. Yes. Um, we're doing they're doing the show. And, and this guy, LSD, is actually like he's getting like laughs, like genuine party laughs. He's doing the exact same thing that he was doing in the audition. So it's like you're almost questioning at this point, like, is this guy a genius or is it like, you know, where he because you said earlier he's interpreting it as a satire. But it's like, yeah, is he interpreting it as a satire or is the audience interpreting what he's doing as satire? And he's question. legit that bad. But I think he's actually like he he he's too self-aware of what he's doing. I, right, right. He's like yeah. he's actually a kind of a talent. He's probably the most talented actor in the show, and he knows it. And he's like he's got his tongue firmly placed in his cheek during this JoJo Rabbit thing. Doing <laughs> what kind of almost feels like of like you couldn't get away with this performance now, like. And maybe that's me applying too much He's to it. He's doing a like, lot of urban affectations. If that's it's just I mean. it's very Jimmy Walker in many ways, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, He's... okay. I sorry, I had to look this up because it was driving me nuts. Will Ferrell doesn't play. Oh, okay. The, it's the director puts himself. Ah, in, in. that's right. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no. So no, that no. so that Gary Beach guy or whatever yes. we got it yeah we got it gary beach i knew they being. combined yeah. somewhere mm-hmm. and then it was bothering me that i was like no hey no, well, i don't see to your credit though from watching those blockbuster dvd trailers uh i remember My... a, a, a moment he... of will ferrell being on stage doing something yes. right he did that and... bit where it was like you know i can't right. even remember what it was but he did that bit because that's how he wanted it to be. Right. And then they ended up having anyway. My wife had the my wife had the same confusion actually. <laughs> She's like, they consolidated something. I think it's like literally the same confusion. She's like, Will Farrell, like, so I went with it because I didn't see the two thousand five version. So the director steps in and is yeah, LSD. So Roger yeah. Roger DeBrees character. Uh, right. Um, and the show's like they're starting to get laughed, and and fucking Max and and Leo, they start to look at each other like they celebrated a little too early because they're like, holy shit! This well, they are. The yeah, they leave because right. because this exact same thing happens in fucking Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mel Brooks and his wife leave to go to the bar because they were like, let's go celebrate, and then they're like, oh wait, it's halftime. Guard your faces, <laughs> they'll tear us apart. Like that exact same line <laughs> in the episode. It's so fucked up. I was just like, I know this, and I've never seen this before. It's so weird. Um, That's cute. And, and then, yeah, it's at, it's at the intermission that they learn, like, oh shit, the audience has actually been into yeah. it for, at this point, what has to be like an hour, <laughs> you know? Like if it's a real yeah. Broadway show. I, I, can I just say something as you talk about that charming moment? I don't begrudge Mel Brooks's success at all. It, like if I had the choice to say like, would you just get rid of Mel Brooks like from existence if you could? No, absolutely not. He's just not for me. That's all. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't going so <laughs> no, far. No, no, as no. To say, like, I wanted to say that because my conscience was attacking me like uh, uh, in that in this moment. That's all. It's okay. Yeah. Now. Now, if we were Thank talking you. about the Zucker brothers, I might be like, yeah, Dan would probably <laughs> to, like to rid the world Maybe. of the Zuckers. 
Maybe, maybe. Except basketball. Please, love David. Basketball. Yeah, you gotta, you yeah. gotta. Basketball notwithstanding. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I, to digress further, I I paused the Weird Al movie. I'm 40 minutes in to do this podcast. Uh, it's I'm really enjoying it. I'm 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 glad to hear that. <laughs> I don't want to know anything else yeah, more because no, no, Caitlin I just and I are going to watch positive, it. positive That's endorsement is all. Great to hear. I did watch UHF already, which we will be recording soon uh, as of this recording. Uh, so back to this, it's it's starting to become a hit. They're like, oh fuck. Uh, but then meanwhile, the writer of the show, uh, Franz. Hey, hey. He's humiliated because this Hitler, he looks like a fool. He knows what's going on here. This actor is making him look stupid, and he knows it. So he's starting to untie cables, holding up the curtain. He literally drops the curtain on the show, rushes out on stage, tells the audience that uh, they've trashed his beloved play that he wrote. And uh, that that causes a bit of a frenzy. Uh they hit the, they hit Franz on the head from be, like from behind yes. the curtain. He eventually starts to pass out, but the whole time the audience is watching this, going like, "Oh, this must be part of the show." Right, this right, really right. strange deviation, this Monty Python esque <laughs> moment where they're just like suddenly into something else. I could, I, don't, I guess I could see that anything goes here tonight, guys. This is a night of theater, crazy theater. Um, the writer is literally coming in and making himself part of the show. Um, so springtime for Hitler is a smash, and that means that the investors are going to be expecting a bigger return. All, all those ladies 100%. are going to expect like they're many did. They're fifty. They're twenty. They're fifty. They're fifty. They're hundred. They're hundred. Yeah. There's no way these guys are ever going to pay them. Um, things do not look good for Max and Leo. So, uh, and this is a song that I think is also very organic. It's uh, Max says, I picked the wrong play, the wrong director, the wrong cast. Where did I go right? That's a song title. A great, awesome, if you're going to make it a musical, that's a great, so make that a song, you know? Yes, all right? of, all of, like, I'm I'm watching this movie in too, like, having not listened to that soundtrack in at least 10 years. I don't remember most of it, but I'm 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 hearing lines like that, and I'm just like, yep, that feels like a song. Right, so like, right. Yeah, it 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 really does. There are a lot of natural, organic moments to the point where, because this is like one of those first musical, like movies that's kind of like then adapted into a Broadway musical. Like, there's a run of these that happens in like the 2000s because of the producers, and uh, I don't know where I was going with that point, but. <laughs> That's yeah, fair. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, meanwhile, like after the in the aftermath, these two guys are just kind of starting to turn on each other. But not too long before Franz comes bursting into their office, right? With a yeah, because Leo's gonna take all the stuff and go turn himself in. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking Leo. Uh, after so Franz, he he fires off a couple rounds. He fires a couple rounds at that office, <laughs> mm-hmm. and. Uh, they're screaming and, and but you know what Lula. he tells them they he they have to hold still he can't shoot them if they're moving i am killing you but you're you're not dying please they're, like they're like that they're 60s rounds that he fires off so they're very they're fairly quiet and uh, they don't they don't do a lot of damage yeah there's a lot of smoke that comes out of the barrel actually i don't know if it does but i notice a lot of smoke there's a lot of 60s 60s rounds are like you you need to get that picture off the wall like that's then that one one frame comes off the wall Uh, fancy shooting there cowboy um 
so they he's uh, he they broke the Siegfried oath, so he has to kill them. <laughs> Leo and Max yeah. have to die. <laughs> and and in walks in. Ula. Yep. And she totally cool as a cucumber. You think like she's doing this so that she can hit him, but she's just dumb and like she's just like walks in and says, I heard you shouting. Do you want coffee? Like, <laughs> Max is like, Yeah, for coffee. Go, go get coffee. Ask him if he wants some coffee. And like, sure enough, he asks the he offers uh, gets the offer and then uh Gene Wilder's gonna hit him over the head with a wine bottle, but that's too late. He turns around. And, it's also uh, fucking stupid because he's got a metal helmet on. So like, right, it's amazing uh, that the first thing did anything to knock him out. You're and, gonna uh, fucking hit him with a bottle. My ass. The two, the three, they they reconcile. <laughs> they do because they have a common goal, and that is to blow up the theater and end this production. They all, that's what they want. Yeah, well, they, uh, they need a pinch, is what they need. Um, like in, isn't that what they call it in Ocean's <laughs> Eleven? Yeah. <laughs> is that it? I think it's like the device that creates like an electromagnetic magnetic pulse that knocks the power out. Sounds cool. So I'm sure it's uh, it's. I think Don Cheadle, in his brilliant Cockney voice, calls it a pinch at one point. Oh, Basher. Yeah, I (laughs) could be wrong. I could be completely wrong, and I sound like. Yep. Nope. I just googled it. He calls it a pinch. It's a pinch. (laughs) What? What about the Gilroy, you guys? What do you think of the Gilroy? The Gilroy, look, the Gilroy can do anything from seduce Ellen Barkin to fix a Star Wars movie from turning into a flop. <laughs> Gilroy is an amazing device. That's it. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. <laughs> That's my um, high joke for this podcast episode. You get I loved one. It. You get one. I loved it. Even though I don't even like Rogue One, I loved it. That joke. <laughs> uh, okay. So they, they band together, they're going to blow up the theater and the production, but they end up getting uh, arrested, don't they? Um, what happens? He lights the fuse, and they're like, like it's so stupid. It's like a three-stooges like, moment. He's pulled like, after them. It's, yeah. it's... It's like, I lit the quick fuse, you see. He's like talking, but he doesn't realize that the fuse is like being ran out right now for some it's, reason. It's funny you say that, because it very much is a three-stooges gag, but just in the worst delivery. Like, the, yeah. the three stooges, the stooges would sell this bit way better than this i'm sure there's no there's not enough anger you need an angry guy to be like what's going on with that fuse or so you know like some shit like that <laughs> and then you need like larry to be all cocky to be like no this is the long the the you know you write hey leave him alone hey leave him alone um they get, shut they up get busted <laughs> they get busted <laughs> and they're found incredibly guilty by the jury yes. uh so he's just like, don't editorialize, juror. Like, just fucking give us the verdict. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a, it feels like a Paul Feig moment. I don't yeah. know why. Doesn't it? <laughs> he's like, singling out Paul Feig, but yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I, I feel it's it. like a bridesmaids moment. Like we find you incredibly guilty. Like something like that. <laughs> like, um, before sentencing, though, Leo makes a, a statement, and what he does is he praises Max for changing his life and being his friend. And he says he's also the most selfish man I've ever met in my life. But you could like I believe that Leo has changed from this. He he has enough of an arc at the beginning as a very neurotic accountant to being a neurotic producer <laughs> yeah. who becomes a criminal brazenly. Yes. Uh, and Max tells the judge that they've learned their lesson, but they end up in jail. It's a very 
seen this like uh, Airheads comes to mind. They're putting the on Blues the Brothers, Seinfeld, uh, yeah. putting on their act putting on and doing one last show in jail. That's right. Uh, yeah, the Muppets did this. Did they go to jail? <laughs> they did. They went to the gulag yeah. and, and oh, fucking Muppets right. most wanted. I've seen God it. damn, I've seen you're right. I've only seen it twice, but I love that movie. Uh, most wanted, liked it a lot. Yes. Uh, most wanted, the best single best Muppet song of any Muppet song, as far as I'm concerned, including the original Muppet songs. Is it the Big House? No, the sequel song, <laughs> like the opening number. Oh yeah, yeah, I like that. Is yeah, the most one. the Muppetiest yeah. Muppet song since like fucking Hey a Movie, and it, it like I think it's it's better than Hey a Movie in terms no, of what it does. There's a real Muppet aficionado, you know. I, I have I, I have knowledge. I'm not I can't. So, you know, some people will. What's, what's great is, is when there's not many experts in the field, you can be <laughs> the, the top certainly, dog. Certainly not among the people that we talk to. Although I will say that, like, you know, I lived with our, my buddy Nick for a, a number of years and, and he had a knowledge of the Muppet show. That was so much deeper than my knowledge that I felt like, God damn, he knows way more about the Muppets than I do. But he lacked a lot of Muppet movie knowledge. So I was like, all right, we together we make a perfect team. What I love. You guys should do a podcast. Yeah. Uh, only he liked to talking, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's that's why we'd be such a great co-host, like the reluctant one in the conversation. Like, so what did you think about this? Uh, yeah, that's good. I, I don't think <laughs> uh, I forgot what I was going to say. It doesn't matter. Uh, they they performing in the jail, springtime for Hitler, and and Max is a bit uh he's being a bit of a stickler about uh, how they're performing. Like he's like guys, you know, make sure you do this right. So a Saturday is uh, when we're putting it on. You know, he's into it. Um, and Leo continues the scam. He's got people. He's overselling yeah. shares of the play while they're doing it in the like jail. while they're all standing there listening to the person ahead of them. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> what are you minute, in for? This isn't adding up. <laughs> Uh, nothing so how much do you want to put into this uh, play here uh, to really to really sell the gag though the problem is that we see three people and those three people all add up to a hundred percent of the movie and you don't see a fourth person walk up so it's like you really needed those three numbers to total more than a hundred percent as far as i was concerned this is a, a missed mark they 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 oh, dropped the ball on this three? I'm pretty sure you see three people walk up and and their total combined equals 100%. And I'm like, okay, are they going to show one more? Or like, okay, are you going to give this next guy like 75% and then that way it's astronomically large? No. I think they failed Mm. at the joke. Well, Jared, he learned his lesson. He's, he's, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's debilitated. That's where I'm like, are we going to see a moment where he goes, all right, done. Like, that was it. (laughs) Like, or is it like, you know? Right. And then that's the the credits rolled, like the tiny, tiny credits, because we already saw them at the beginning with those slam dunks. And uh, that's the end of the movie. And again, that's another thing that like movies just used to do that. Like credits used to be more at the beginning of the movies. And I'm wondering when that really started to change. For me, and and I I even asked Katie this, it's like, do you remember when the credits were at the top of the movie? She's like, yeah. I was like, yeah. Like the, the tension, like we just, I don't, unless they're cool and stylized, not this style though. In yeah. This movie, but I like, don't mind a bunch of opening credits. It's like, yeah, it's in, it's in those older movies where you see like title cards and it's just like, really, you're going to show like nine title cards at the beginning of the movie with all of these different, you know, roles. Mm-hmm. I don't mind like, 
a Tom Shadyac movie where like they're just bleeding into the first several minutes, but they're like, here's a credit over here. Here's another one over here. Don't worry about it. Here's another one down here. It's, it's a fine. Don't worry about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Hey, like I Tom agree. Shadyac is known to do in his movies. <laughs> I don't know. I literally don't know why that's the first. <laughs> I'm imagining liar, liar. And that was the first thing right. that came. Uh, our nutty professor. Like it's like yeah. a sitcom almost like it bleeds into those first few minutes. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but yeah, that I think That's we it. I think we did it. That's the producers. Any from... other thoughts, guys? I didn't hate it. I mean, I found it enjoyable enough. Yeah, I. It, it's such a tame. It's so not the Mel Brooks Mel Brooks flavor that you that you get later. You know. Yeah. Like it becomes uh, like I I do find Mel Brooks we to be a... like a little insufferable. The more he gets older and the like though just the wackier he gets um yeah we did uh, uh silent movie silent movie which was fine it was it was wet he's doing a lot of mugging in that and it's him starring in it so like <laughs> i did not appreciate that movie very much right so you know <laughs> but like yeah this is uh definitely doesn't feel like that same flavor but yeah, as a no, result, I agree. Yeah. As a result, I'm kind of like, so why is this so like beloved or like supposedly beloved? Because I, I, I also was like, I didn't dislike this movie, but I also didn't think it was so hilarious and like game changing in any way. Like I get why right. Blazing Saddles gets the credit. I don't find Blazing Saddles <laughs> to be as hilarious as most people do, but I get it. This one I don't quite get. Hmm. Uh couldn't tell you because i don't really like it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, i wasn't looking for answers but anyway yeah, that yeah, yeah. that's uh that is the producers from 1968 <laughs> and uh <laughs> um uh we got one more episode coming to you guys before we take our our little mid-season break and uh if you we we teased it a little bit yes we have uh uhf on this month's 90 over 90 um in honor of weird the al yankovic story which comes out tonight as of this recording so i need to get off of this call and go (laughs) sample a little (laughs) bit of that um but until next week for our final uh episode of of 2022 i'm jeremy eden i'm dan eden and i'm megan easter that my dear friends is a wrap What do you mean you're out of chocolate? How can that be?